The description for museum director originally said the museum was looking to attract a more diverse audience while, quote, maintaining the museum's traditional core white art audience. My name is Claire Pierce Burnett, and I have the honor and the pleasure and the gift of serving as the president and chief executive officer for Newfields. We the Culture was the first exhibit opening under me. This is a step in us moving towards becoming an anti-racist institution. Colette Pierce Burnett, painting a new picture for arts in central Indiana, changing the scene and vibe at Newfields through inclusion and diversity. How she's weaved her way from engineer to college president to leader of an Indiana cultural gem. Colette Pierce Burnett, my guest this week on the Business and Beyond podcast. Hello and welcome to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. I'm Gary Dick. Well, they had her at hello, almost. It was the Newfield's mission statement that touched Colette Pierce Burness' heart. That part about the Museum of Art moving forward to be more diverse and inclusive made Colette think maybe she could make a go of it in the world of art. A bold jump for a Midwest-educated black woman with a degree in engineering, vast experience in corporate America, and serving as president and CEO at Houston Tillotson University in Austin. Running the show at a major art institution never crossed her mind until Newfields came calling. And I am pleased to be joined on the Business and Beyond podcast by Colette Pierce Burnett, the president and CEO of Newfields here in Indianapolis. Colette, thanks for joining me. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, you've been on the job a few months now. Since August 1, you came to Indianapolis from Austin, Texas, uh, where you, uh, you've had a very storied career in, in education. You uh, most recently were president and CEO of Houston Tillotson University, a historically black university in Austin. As I understand it, you, you had retired from that position and you, you stayed retired for a whole month, right? Whole <laughs> how, how did the, the opportunity here in, in Indianapolis, you learn about it and how did that all come together? Almost a year ago now, I announced my retirement from the university a year out to give the institution you know, time to do a search. And a very long story short, I was having dinner with a very dear friend of mine, and she asked me, well, what are you going to do next? And I knew I wanted to do something next, but for, I, I didn't have words around what it was. So she recommended that I have a conversation with someone who's actually like an executive coach type person to help you think through where your where your passions are, et cetera. So that person was affiliated with Corn Ferry, who was doing the search for the president CEO of Newfields. So she said, I think we have a job. I got a call and she said, I think we have a job that you would be perfect for. And that's how I found out about the position. So I was still presidenting at that time. So Newfields needed me to start obviously as soon as possible. So they were, they accommodated my 31 days of retirement from, at least for me to be able to de-stress a little bit from university presidency and then wind up to be here. And I'm super excited about this opportunity. What, what attracted you to, to this job? When I first read the 
position description and I saw art museum as a part of it, my first reaction was, no, that's not something that my skills don't lead to that. And I shared that with Corn Ferry and they were insistent that we would be hiring a director of the art museum and that there is a director of the garden in place. That was, they were looking for a president of new fields, you know, a cultural institution and universities are cultural institutions. I knew nothing about the position description or anything because that was not my world. And my son is an art aficionado. So I, so I got interested in the position because it was a cultural. So I started looking at it through a different lens. Mm-hmm. And my mother is in Dayton and it was in Indianapolis. So I was like, you know, I was trying to get closer to, to quote, a home. I'm from Cleveland. Uh-huh. And so my son, who is an art museum aficionado, I told, told him I'm applying for a position that has an art museum on the grounds in Indianapolis. And he said, Mom, what's it called? And I said, Newfields. And he said, Mom, they were in the New York Times. And I was like, oh, that's impressive. And he said, let me send you the article. Uh, When I read that, it made the position more attractive to me because I have such a passion for um, equity mm -hmm. and justice and education as Mm -hmm. the great equalizer. So that made, I saw this as such an opportunity for Newfields to do some really wonderful things with it's just a magic yeah. place. Yeah, you mentioned the the New York Times uh, article. Your hiring came in the wake of what well, was really a controversy at Newfield, a job posting that referenced the museum's, quote, core white audience that really did spark uh, outrage, both inside and outside the museum. It led to the re- resignation of uh, Newfield's president and CEO at the time. And, and as you just said, that is something that maybe you would think would would maybe scare some people away from the job. This is something that that was one of the things that attracted you to it. It did, definitely. It's where my professional passion and my personal passions intersect. And that's a blessing. That's a gift um, to be able to do something. And we're on a march to being an anti-racist institution. Um, I don't believe that Newfields is a racist institution by any means. There are such wonderful, beautiful people who work here. But we have some work to do when it comes to how we show up in the community and how we address that and we're you know we're we're making great strides uh towards that and that's exciting to me and we have such a we, we're a learning lab you know the art museum is uh, one of the best in the, the the world we have a phenomenal collection we have tremendously wonderful park we have a tremendously wonderful garden so there's so much opportunity for us to enrich lives that's you can't who would shy away from that yeah you talk about, I know in, in doing some some background, you know, you talk about a really a renaissance of sorts that's underway at at New Fields. Talk about mm-hmm. that momentum change. You mentioned work that needs to be done in the community. Talk about how all of those things in your view are, are coming together right now. It's, it's it's several things. The concept of renaissance is a renewal. You know, when you say the renaissance moment, it's a renewal, it's a transformation. And how we look at once again, how we show up in the community, the conversations that we have around art, who the artists are that we have. We've been intentionally trying to get more um, people of color and more women, um, people, all kinds of people, um, artists to have their work shown here. Even here in the way that we do business, where we think through a lens of 
how this impacts the, our guests, our members, and not just focusing on it's easy for new fields. You know, we, we can get caught up in our own bureaucracy on how we how we do things. So that those are all Renaissance moments. They're transformation. We, we're refreshing our American Art Gallery, which I'm super excited about, which opens in April. So we, we're going to um, refresh the American Art Gallery um, to show American art through many lenses. Spoken word, historical perspectives, talking about sacred spaces, you know, all those things that we don't traditionally have. And tradition is a big word, but things that we don't traditionally do as how we sh- show up in our exhibits, even though we the culture exhibit, it was something very new uh, to focus on the 18 art collective. I, the, the collective itself in partnership yeah. with um, Gang Gang, that was, you know, that was really transformational for new fields. And I just happened to be the person that it opened up under my watch, which is not a coincidence. Andrew Young says coincidences are God's way of remaining anonymous. So it was not a coincidence that that was my first exhibit to open yeah. up under me, under my leadership. But so it was kind of full circle for me because we get to do something that um, makes people think. And we don't want to tell people what to think. But art gives you an opportunity to reflect and we tell people what to think about. Yeah. We'll talk about, I wanted to ask you about that, that first exhibit uh, under your watch, uh, Mm -hmm. We the Culture, showcasing the work of 18 Black artists. Talk about the exhibit, why it's it's special to you, uh, perhaps, Mm -hmm. given the circumstances and everything involved here. It it seems uh, to be very appropriate that that would be the first exhibit to open under your tenure. So... um, the annual meeting in May was where I was announced, so uh, introduced to the community. And I came, my husband and I came here for that annual meeting. And it was it's a joint board meeting to the Board of Governors, the Board of Trustees. They have a joint meeting and then we have the annual open membership meeting. So I was introduced at that meeting. So afterwards, I was in the lobby there in our pavilion, just meeting and greeting with people. And I got to somehow, you know, crowds move and shift, I ended up being introduced to, I would think, maybe eight of the artists at once. And I felt like they were my family because, you know, I'm, I'm a Midwesterner. They're Midwesterners. Indianapolis and Cleveland have a lot of similarities. And I really felt like I was meeting members of my family. It was just a weird moment for me. And the video introducing me the culture was shown at the members meeting. And in that video, they talk about some of the some of the members of the 18 talk about their personal stories. And it really made me well up because as a child, my mother used to take me to every my sister and I to every museum in Cleveland. And she would drag us there. She, <laughs> right. she got two weeks, two weeks vacation and she would drag us there. And I have distinct memories of not really seeing myself in the art. And I really didn't want to go. So mm-hmm. here I find this collision in my own life where I have an opportunity to be responsible for a museum that is bold and brave to sponsor these beautiful artists. And I felt like this, just a passionate collision for me. And the art itself is just extraordinary. And their stories are very similar to my own on how we progress into spaces that we weren't normally welcomed in, either intentionally or unintentionally, it doesn't matter, that you don't see yourself in. That was just a magical moment for for me. Yeah. And when we had the actually open of, you know, when the exhibit actually opened and we had it open to the community, it was packed in here. Of I like to say that we have a responsibility to build a beloved community. 
And that night was a reflection of building a beloved community because you had a little bit of all walks of life um, yeah. here in the museum. So yeah. it was a good moment. Describe your vision for, for new fields and also maybe for some people listening who say, okay, new fields, that's the Indianapolis Museum of Art, right? Well, it, it is, but it's a lot more. I mean, as you oh, look yeah. at the, the campus and the grounds and the gardens, all the things that it encompasses, talk about kind of the new fields as as an entity and and some of the exciting things you see happening there in the coming months and, uh, and years. So we have um, 152 acres. It's massive. And the park is like 90 something plus uh, park space, which is free and open to the public. And as you know, we will be putting more art, public art there in the park for people to the Virginia B. Fairbanks Park for people to appreciate and enjoy. And then we have the gardens, which are just extraordinary in and of themselves. And art, nature is art. Nature is probably the, the most massive artist that we know in, in God's beautiful world. And then we have the Indianapolis Museum of Art. So those three components make up New Fields. So I'm the president and CEO of New Fields. So when people ask me about my vision, it's very, very simple. My vision is for us to continue to execute the mission. And the mission is to enrich lives um, with exceptional experiences with art and nature. So the, the, the vision is that we can continue to create these uh, wonderful, safe, brave, extraordinary spaces for people to be able to come and enrich their lives. Even if you don't, you're not an art historian or you're not a horticulturist uh, or you're not an outdoors person. There's really something for every, everyone here. And we want to be, continue to be that anchor institution for Indianapolis. And I've said this often where I know that my, I see life as a series of assignments. And I know that my assignment will be over when I hear two people talking and one is saying that they're going to Indianapolis and the other one is saying, oh my gosh, you have to go to new fields because it will change your life. That's when I know my assignment is over because we've achieved yeah. that kind of prominence yeah. where you're a must see in Indianapolis. Yeah. When you talk about conversations like that, talk about, uh, because New Fields and other arts and cultural institutions, I think, uh, without question, play just such an important role in quality of life, quality of place, uh, economic development, the ability to keep talent, attract talent. How do you see IMA and, and New Fields playing a role in that, uh, that regard? So when you're a university president, the whole concept of town gown, and there's so many similarities to being a university president and being a president of a cultural institution. I mean, several similarities, several, several. So when, you, when you're a university president, part of your mission, the whole concept of town gown relationships is what the role you play in the development of the community that you serve. So you want, to, like you said, um, the quality of life, but also attracting people to the region. And attracting people. And also we are, we are a business. You know, you're a university president. So yeah. That's a bad word to say that. <laughs> yeah, but Feels, it's true. You know, yeah. It's just, and yeah, it's the same thing here. This is a business. And we want to run it in such a way that we bring people who want to work here, live here, play here. Uh, we want to be able to uh, appreciate and sponsor other entities in the in the community. That's one of my goals, is that new fields will be. We want to partner with other institutions. We have a meeting soon with Butler University. I had a great meeting with their president to see how we can partner to coordinate all kinds of ways. The exchanges for students as well as the development of this region because we're neighbors. 
how we can partner to make sure that we're we're being good neighbors, we're being good stewards of the missions that we both have. So, and then I want to build more corporate partnerships, not just with, this is important because it is a business with sponsorships, so that helps us to be able to offer programming to um, all citizens, but in other ways that we want to be good partners with corporations on meeting missions. Mm-hmm. So I've had some wonderful um, conversations with Bank of America so that how we could really talk about some of the things that are important to Bank of America as an institution and how new fields can support that through camps or we're about to install a, veg- a flower and vegetable garden. So when you talk about food deserts, where you bring people here to have conversations about it in the space that is conducive to those kind of conversations to spark creativity and unleashing intellect. That's what cultural institutions, that's what we're responsible for. So people don't like to put revenue conversations around that and expenses, but the reality of it is, is that's really a part of the larger conversation. We are yeah. a part of the, the the economic engine in the community. Yeah. As you look at the potential uh, of new fields, you know, the term world-class is used a lot in various contexts, sometimes maybe overused, but in your view, as you look at new fields and what it is, what it can become, uh, do you see that as a as truly a world-class institution? Hands down. And I'm biased. I own my own bias, but I'm also a realist. For example, the Philadelphia Flower Show is an international flower show. So we are we will have a um, display there. It's a ma- it's massive, and we are representing Indiana. We're representing Indianapolis. All of the, the, the we'll have native plants from Indiana there. So we're putting ourselves as Newfields, our brand, um, in front of the world because it's an international flower show. It's one of this. It's one of the known garden flower and garden shows. It's much much bigger than a what we think of a small local flower and garden show. So we'll be putting Indianapolis on the brain, on the map, but Indiana on the map, because we're going to be talking about Indiana native plants, have those on display, et cetera. And King Rhodes, who was one of the 18 artists, he has done the mural for us. So we're continuing those partnerships because we're not one off. Back to your conversation about Renaissance. Yeah. Renaissance mm-hmm. are movements, not moments. So these are not one-off relationships for us. Even the Looking Glass Alliance that we're partnering with, which is community, people from our community of different walks of life, advising us and partnering with us on the refresh of the American Art Gallery. So these, this is part of that renaissance um, and that continuing to build these strong partnerships. So King Rhodes has done the mural on the outside of the structure. And it's huge because it's going to be in the Philadelphia Convention Center. And we've got um, Jonathan Wright, who's our director of, of the Ruth Lily Garden. He has a very long title. But Jonathan's, you know, he's a he's a creative and he's got his position at a very key place. You know, you go to these these shows and you walk around in different squares and some people have this a oh, lot they get that spot uh-huh. we got that spot like that and we're there to represent indiana i mean of course newfield's brand is important but the reason we choose indian because we want to tell people that we want to build the relationship of what you know of not the, the impression of how people feel about indiana and that's it that's coming up really really soon in march 4th through the 12th and we're there on display for people from like wow. all of around the world. It's similar to South by Southwest for uh-huh. people. It's, it's that kind of show for the flower and, and garden show. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned technology and technology has been 
uh, a part of your background to be sure. And when we come back from the break, we'll talk about your path uh, to the uh, the CEO role at New Fields. Uh, when we come back, interesting uh, journey that you've had and your experiences and how that's shaped uh, you and your leadership position at New Fields. That when we return on the Business and Beyond podcast. Stay with us. At PNC Bank, we're committed to making a difference in the lives of our customers and communities by helping them move forward financially. As a Main Street bank, we try to do right by our customers with every encounter. Our local teams offer personalized financial advice to help guide you in making the best decision. We're proud to be part of your community. PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference for you at PNC.com. Copyright 2022, the PNC Financial Services Group, Bank. All rights reserved. Welcome back to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. My guest this week, Colette Pierce Burnett. She is the president and CEO at Newfields, been on the job since August 1, already making a, uh, a real difference in the operations there at Newfields and has an exciting uh, vision uh, for the future of that uh, important asset for Indianapolis. Colette, um, we talked a bit about uh, Newfields in, in, in our first segment. Uh, I, I think it's interesting your path to this role varied your your experiences uh are uh, uh very interesting you grew up in cleveland right so you're a midwesterner born and raised as they say um i went to john f kennedy high school i'm a proud product of cleveland public schools um and i'm from a very large family so i went to uh, I, and i'm a true buckeye i grew up uh-huh. in cleveland all the three c's i went to school in columbus and I, my first job was at Procter & Gamble in Cincinnati. So I've lived in all the three <laughs> cities. And then uh-huh. I married a military officer. So he, I would have been in Ohio my whole life if it had uh-huh. not been marrying a military officer who was stationed at Wright-Patterson there in Dayton. In Dayton, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Um, so you, you went to Ohio State and you, your degree was industrial and systems engineering, right? That's correct. So you, you I, and that's, you started your career, you were, you were in IT, you are Chief information officer. So this whole museum stuff, very different than how you started out, right? Yeah, you don't know. You can have a plan for your life and they say God laughs at your plan. I'm I am like a living example of that. And but I I read that a Swedish philosopher whose name I cannot pronounce and so I don't want to mess up the name, but I read this Swedish philosopher something from him, and he wrote that basically that we learn backwards to live forward. Hmm. So if I look at my life in hindsight, every assignment, once again, is preparing me for where I'm going. So even my background in IT served me very, very well because, and as an engineer, I had a very fruitful career as a corporate person. And I was good in math in high school. Black female, good in math, graduated in, in 75. Everybody was trying to hire Black mm-hmm. women, Mm-hmm. and Black people in engineering. So I was a commodity, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And being good in math, I was just recruited recruited, recruited by Ohio State to come to their program. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a diehard book. I love Ohio State. <laughs> so that was good for me because it gave me a good stellar career. And I learned a lot. And we've traveled all over the world. So it really stretched me as a person. Mm-hmm. And my husband went to retire 
And it was my turn to really think through what I wanted to do with my life. So I took a leap of faith and took a job teaching because I've always appreciated what my own education did in my life. So, and I have a passion for, I like to see people grow. That's a, like an innate passion. It took me a years to be able to articulate that in that way. And equity has always been, I mean, I was always the only woman and definitely the only black woman in many circles of my life as an engineer and then as a corporate person. So I started teaching technology because that was when technology was becoming a way of life, not just the business part of it. Right. As we know now, it's in all of our lives. So that was that transitional period. And I got in higher education and I have a, I'm driven, no off button. So I just kept, you know, working hard and I eventually made it to the, um, the presidency. I was in higher ed for 22 years. So my career was split in half, 23 years as a corporate person. And then 22 years as a, um, wow, I'm, I'm old. So I said that now that I'm doing the math in my mind. Well, how, how, how did that, how did those experiences, those are varied and, and vast, you know, you've got the, you know, the corporate world, technology uh, focus, that engineering uh, a background, and then higher education, both in the classroom and then from an administrative standpoint, leading a university. How did that all, you know, come together to, to shape who yeah. you are today and your leadership position again at Newfields? So leadership is, is leadership. Uh, you know, a good leader, you surround yourself with people that are smarter than you are in their areas of expertise. And you're a bridge builder. You're a relationship builder. You manage conflict well. All those, all my experiences have been, have taught me the do's and the don'ts of those moments. And, you know, one thing that I learned from the higher ed world is that it's important to preserve legacy and tradition while simultaneously for you to be successful, to foster innovation and transformation. And the IT person in me, the technology person in me, that's a constantly, like you can't sit still. You would become a dinosaur very quickly if you don't stay current. So as in leadership, it's the same concept when you're leading an entity. So I, so all that comes together for me where art is preserving history and legacy. That's what art is in capturing something in the moment while simultaneously encouraging innovation and transformation to keep the IMA and the garden, in fact, and the park, in fact, attractive at all times. So we can't, you can't sit still on your laurels. It's a constant transformational. And I've learned that over time just because of the career path that I've had. And then also my husband's career of us living all around the world, I've come to appreciate that there is a really big world out there. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not the U.S. of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a vast world out there. And it stretches you to really think in that way that the world is not just revolving around you. Mm-hmm. It's, and, and there's such beauty in the diversity of that. I mean, that's, in the environments I've been in, the more diverse they've been in, the more productive they've been. Yeah. Talk, t- talk about that because you mentioned uh, living around the world, your husband, a retired Air Force lieutenant colonel. And so you've lived in some uh, places all over the world. T- talk about some of the places you've uh, spent time in. Turkey is the most astounding and probably top of mind for me because of the earthquake there, because there was a oh, yeah, small sure. earthquake when we were living there. And I remember the buildings and our building was, you know, rocking back and forth and living there. I went there thinking, oh, my gosh, we're going to be in the middle of 
of the Middle East. And it was there in Turkey that I realized that we are more alike than we are different. Um, they have fears, they have pain, they have joy, they have love. I mean, we're all humans. And I really, like I went there with this stereotypical, in my mind, camels walking around and, you know, this just stereotypical, right. like Middle Eastern moment. And I was hesitant to go there, mm-hmm. but I had phenomenal experience. My, in fact, my husband had got an assignment to come back to the States, to the Pentagon. And I was like, we, it's, it's not time to go, but you don't have a word to, you know, I was saying that. Right, just, right. So you going. liked it. You liked it that much there in Turkey. Oh, I loved it there. Yeah. I loved it there. I really loved it there. And then Germany, both East and West Germany, I really got to see the difference between, now it's Germany, but the difference right. between the East and the West. Um, we were never stationed in Asia. Well, Turkey is the only country that goes in Asia and Europe, but right. we're never stationed in Asia. And also, I spent some time in Kazakhstan through my um, getting my doctorate. I got my doctorate very late in life to get the college presidency. I had to get a doctorate to get the presidency. So I did it to get the presidency. And I went to Kazakhstan, which was another affirmation for me that we're more alike than we are different. Mm-hmm. So that those with my travel with my husband, we lived in all the all the parts of the Ohio State. I mean, of the Ohio State of the country. I'm where I got that. Uh-huh. We lived in all part all the quadrants of the country, and it's we're vast in and of ourselves. I mean, you know, you could travel across the U.S. and think you've gone through four different countries, right? Uh, because it's so different different cultures across the country. And I love Texas. Texas thinks it's a country. But <laughs> right. a really good journey in Austin, Texas. Um, it's just a prosperous, wonderful city, which prepared me to come here for Indianapolis. Yeah. Because my, my life there, and I, I led the mayor's task force on institutional racism and systemic inequities in Austin, Texas, which prepared me for many of the conversations I find myself in in Newfield's journey. Mm-hmm. But so you're always prepared for where you're going. You don't know it in that moment. Yeah. It's prepared. All right. You've been on the job now for about six months, so half a year. You're kind of getting settled in. As you look at what's next or where, where Newfields is today and, and where you'd like to see things you know, go over the next year or two here, what's that that vision? So we're in the process now. Um, we're in the process and going to actually go public with the um, search for the uh, director of the Indianapolis Museum of Art. Yep. That is uh, one of my major initiatives like like that's something that's in my day right now so like at the end of the day i feel like i have to have accomplished something with that so that's that's top of mind for us um to be able to bring someone in who's transformational and really leans into the renaissance moment when it comes to art museums in particular so we have um, a lot of plans for how we're going to we have three major projects the woodland walk which is connecting the park to easier to connect the park with the main grounds, if I can use that terminology, our uh, vegetable and flower garden that I spoke of earlier, and then our children's garden, which I'm very, very excited about. We're building, we will build, be building a children's garden. So those three, and of course, the, the art that's going into the, the installations that are be going into the Virginia B. Fairbanks Park. So those are all major, those in and of them, one, just one of those alone is small. I mean, it's big, but all of those are are happening together for new fields across the board. We have a lot of moving parts here. So my vision will be, we will be successful when those three things are behind us. And then we continue on with our master planning. We're in the process of rethinking our strategic plan. It's a 10-year plan, 2018 to 2028. 
So we are going to be putting more meat on the bones of that with this in mind of us becoming, you know, this march towards becoming an anti-racist institution to, to use that word and to continue to blend art and nature for enriching experiences. That's the mission. That's, the, that's what the board hired me to do is to execute the mission. The park opening is in early June. Oh, and the most important thing is we are celebrating our 140th year anniversary. That's actually, that's number one. That's big. Yeah. Uh Yeah, that's big. So we're going to have all kinds of activities leading up to this big brouhaha that we'll have as a celebration of 140 years and to tell our beloved community that we are doing things for us to be here another 140 years. Yeah. Yeah, So so that's a great, that's really timing wise, a great opportunity to kind of connect or reconnect, however you want to put it with the community. Because our founder, um, May Wright Sewell, was a suffragette. I mean, you know, she was she was an activist, and she, you know, had had a vision for art to be, a, you know, an important. She probably wasn't using the words "beloved community" like Dr. King lived it, but in effect, that's what she was doing. I mean, she the propylium. Um, you know, she's she's you know founder of many long-standing institutions here in Indianapolis. And she was a force within herself and she is our founder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we don't really tell that story very, very well. And that's a challenge that, you know, organizations often have is you get so busy being busy mm-hmm. that you don't tell your story, your narrative yeah. to help people connect themselves to the history. So we have a lot of exciting things planned for that 140th. Yeah, a great story to tell indeed. Colette Pierce Burnett, the president and CEO at Newfields. Colette, uh, really great to have you in Indianapolis and and leading such an important uh, institution for our community, our state uh, as well. So uh, thank you for joining us. And again, welcome to Indianapolis. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. And thank you for joining us on this episode of the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. It is a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment, and beyond. And you can download all of our episodes, more than 100 episodes, and get Indiana Business News 24-7. All you have to do is go to InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.